All right, hey guys, and welcome to the Three Drinks In podcast, episode number 213. I am your host, Vince. Over there is your host, Phil. Hey. In this episode, we are talking about the uh, In the Heights movie starring Anthony Ramos and Lin-Manuel Miranda. But before we get into all that, though, I want to remind you that Three Drinks In is available on all streaming services. Wherever you find your podcasts, there we are. Make sure that you click subscribe, tell friends, leave us a rating, and maybe even a review. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Three Drinks In Pod. You can uh, find us on Facebook, like the Facebook page, and if you want to send us compliments, comments, or whatever else, you can do so at threedrinksinpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to head to our, our, our website to find a link to, to our store on TeePublic for all the Three Drinks In Podcast merch you could possibly want. So, even those you know, limited um, edition masks, which are soon no longer going to be necessary. So get them now while they're hot. They're not hot. They're 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 like a normal temperature. They're totally fine. So was this movie actually starring Lin Manuel Miranda? I mean, he was in it. Yeah, he was the guy. Uh, yeah, the shave dice. Yeah, there was um. There's a couple of like small Easter eggs. So you know, if you, I don't think people would see this if they didn't know him a little bit i mean he's he got pretty well known as a household name when hamilton came out on disney plus back in uh july um but uh but yeah he was there as the shaved ice guy and um the other guy did you did, did you catch who mr softy was uh was that the guy who was like george washington yeah it's christopher jackson yeah. yeah, who who I've uh, I had the pleasure of of uh, a meeting on a few occasions myself. Um, so I was like, oh hey, look, it's Mister Softy, <laughs> which uh, which I I got a kick out of because he's that that's not a character in the play. It's just you know he just mentions that Mister Softy is there and he's you know killing his business. Yeah, but yeah. Um, there was a a thing that my wife read about it where they they talked. Um, Miranda into playing that part because they said like if if you don't play it they're gonna cut it like it's just not gonna be there and apparently that was kind of an important thing for him and so he's like well you have to play it now <laughs> otherwise they're, they're, you know, they're gonna make, they're gonna make they're gonna going to make me cut the role well yeah I mean the movie's long enough as it is yeah so uh, but yeah this was my triumphant return to the cinema oh, yeah. Hey. In the span of four days, I went to a movie theater and a baseball game. Hmm. So I had a, I've had a busy busy week. I'm absolutely exhausted because I got home from from Queens at like not even that late. I got home from Queens at like eleven thirty last night. Um, we made a fantastic time, and uh, but I'm absolutely beat. <laughs> so <laughs> five hours sleep is not sufficient for the last uh, day of school. Which uh, also was today. the theater crowded or? Yes, it was. Um, we went to an AMC in Connecticut, and um, it's funny. Connecticut, it really like nobody's wearing masks in Connecticut. In New York, you still see people who are wearing them, um, even though we 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 reached our threshold of seventy percent vaccinations, and uh, there are now no more uh, statewide. Uh, COVID mandates at all. Everything is done. Uh, you can, you know, still private businesses can can require you to wear masks 
and the uh, the local stop and shops, their sign still says, "As pursuant to order one three dash." I'm thinking that that order has been rescinded, so I don't know why, why this sign is still here. Yeah. But I took my son with me to the store tonight, so I'm like I like when I'm with the kids, I kind of make them put their masks on because you know I don't want them to get sick. So, but um. Anyway, but yeah, no, it was uh, it was pretty crowded. I was uh, I was surprised. There was some social distancing inside the theater. Like when I went to purchase tickets, I I could you know I could reserve a seat. It was like a big big reclining seat thing, which was great. And um, it was the Dolby Theater too, which is kind of unnecessarily loud. Like your seats shake for no reason. Um. And uh, but there 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 were blocked off seats that you could not reserve. They they. They were limiting what, uh, what you had access to, but for the most part, it was it was way cr- more crowded than I ever thought uh, I thought it'd be. But you know, we, we we were in a bar just before that having dinner. Nobody had a mask on, you know, not even the uh, uh, the employees. So it's uh, yeah, it's weird. It's like you know, three miles one direction. It's like the Wild West compared to New York. So, but um, but yeah. So in the Heights. Directed nice. by John Chu, based on the 2005 musical sensation. Um, uh, do we need to give like a rundown of the plot here, or I mean, I, I assume if you're watching, if you're if you're listening to this, you've kind of already seen it. But uh, basically, it's about a what plot? <laughs> it's about 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 three or four people living in a uh, in a. Um, a one block community in Washington Heights. They are all Latinx. For you know, like Latinx. Better, <laughs> no, it's not, I, I feel so silly saying it, but they're Dominican and Puerto Rican and Cuban and um, African American, and it's about their hopes and dreams and achieving them or not achieving them. Um, now I saw the Broadway play years ago, and I saw Miranda himself in it. Um, during like his last month, it was a, it was a tough ticket to get. When I saw it, I think, I don't know when I, I think I might saw it in two thousand and eight or nine, and uh, I got lucky. I won the 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 ticket lottery, and um, so I sat front row. When I, you know, it was it was great. It was it, the thing about Lin Manuel Miranda is he's an extremely talented songwriter and lyricist um he is not as strong of a singer or a dancer and whenever i've like you know whenever i've seen other people do things that he's done i go oh yeah no they they're better than him but there's something about his personality and his sort of you know his connection to his own material that sort of transcends the ability like you can't hit every note, and the guy that I saw play Hamilton in Hamilton was better than him. But there's an intensity and in like a passion that he brings to it that is really ineffable. Like nobody can quite match that. They're technically better than him at these things. Um, but uh, it, it it was nice to see him in this in that small role as the as the shaved ice guy because he does have a lot of personality that that he brings to it and. I mean, I don't know if you know, like this was his sophomore year, like theater project. I think he went to Wesleyan, 
and like this this is this began as like you know a college project that became a broadway show so that's gives you an idea where where he was when he wrote it and where he you know he was coming from and um you know the autobiographical aspects of it um but it's also really impressive you know that, that that this. I mean, I know a lot of people that did theater in college. <laughs> no, they did not get their 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 you know passion project made into a Broadway show and then a multi million dollar movie. So just for some for some context. So, um, but because I've seen both the stage play and this, I'm curious to see to have you go first and tell me what you thought of In the Heights. I did not finish in the heights. <laughs> I didn't finish watching it. Uh which is it's rare. It's a rare thing for me to not finish a movie. A book is one thing cuz book will take hours. Movie, I think I had like 20 more minutes. And I was watching it with my wife and she, it, it got to like 9:30 at night cuz we're old. And she looked at me and she goes, can we just finish this another time? Like, she had to go to work. I was like, you know, that's fine. And then we just didn't bother because I didn't like it that much. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't like it a lot. (laughs) Um, Like, I I know it's impressive. And and I'm sure the guy, the main character was much better than Lin-Manuel Miranda, like, as much as he was imitating him, I think he had a better voice and everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's Miranda's great. voice is so high pitched and nasally; it, it's distracting. It's, it's tinny. Uh, it's not. It's not great. Yeah. Yeah, but like I like the opening. I thought the opening of the movie was good because whenever you have a movie that used to be a play, you know, it it's not up to you, obviously, but it's up to the director. How much of a play are you going to make it look like? And how much of a movie are you going to make it look like, you know, because these things are staged differently. And like that opening song was cool because like the people doing things around him were doing everything to the rhythm, you know, mm-hmm. like the people, the people with the hose and then the people on the street cl- closing their doors, they would do it to the music. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of cool. But, um, and they didn't really do that again. They had people dancing behind him, but at the know, pool, like, well, they at the pool. I mean, the kind of the splashing, but yeah, the, well, they the, didn't the go crazy. The pool scene's bananas. The pool scene is nuts. Like it's that's good old fashioned Busby Berkeley, you know, like synchronized swimming number. That was, you know, was... Well, you know. I mean, the, the two biggest problems for me were there really isn't any story here. I mean, it's bare bones. You know, everybody has a different thing that they want that they're doing. You know, it's not overly complicated and it's not explored in any depth because you have so many characters, um, which is fine in a musical, whatever. Oklahoma was not the most uh, plot heavy play. But then like every song was exactly the same as the other songs. Every song was the same. Like, here come the maracas, here comes the washboard with the spoon, here comes the guitar, oh, maybe there's a flute in this one. I was like, oh, my God. It was nonstop, relentless. It was like having a mariachi band in my head for two hours. <laughs> I was like, is there going to be a slow song here once in a while to break it up? Uh, not there were really. slow songs. There were slow songs, but they were Where? short. The last 20 minutes I didn't watch? <laughs> the grandma maybe. song was probably the slowest one. 
Also, when Nina comes home and she's singing about how how she failed everybody and uh, but like the the contrast to them is so dramatic. Like they're they I take your point that like by the time you get to the scene where they're having their um you know uh, barrio in the alleyway that giant that oh, that, that big like town party they had yeah like. At that point, you've seen so many large-scale numbers like that. Like, from the opening number to the pool number to that number to a bunch of ones in between that are also kind of big and grand. Like, you're exhausted. You've seen, you know, one... Yeah, there was, like, the the one in the nightclub. Like, I just couldn't. I was like, I'm, yeah. I'm done. I can't watch any more of this. <laughs> like, that's... They're all... So, all of them are the 11 o'clock number. And... That's a lot to have to ask someone to sit through. Like, it, on their own individually, they're good. The songs are good. The dancing is good. The staging was good. But like, to watch have to watch four of them <laughs> in one play where they they started bleeding together. Yeah, and and his his I mean Hamilton was the same way where there really isn't a lot of just dialogue and just talking. And there's more in this one than there is in Hamilton. And it was always like jarring. I'm like, are they just going to have a conversation? And then I was like on edge waiting for them to start singing at any second, you know, because there was a lot. I mean, most of it was singing. So it's just, I mean, Latin music is is upbeat and lively and bombastic. And that's, that's it's impossible to sustain for that long. So like after a while, like I can't even remember what they were singing about. Yeah. Like the, like the lotto ticket. Okay. And then him and the girl in the, at the you know at the uh the nightclub and the people singing in the hairdresser and i was just like okay i mean it was i was exhausted <laughs> oh I, yeah. I i didn't i didn't like that it was just like uh, i don't you know so when i said turn it off i was like okay <laughs> let's just sit in silence for five minutes yeah you're i mean i think i benefited from having seen the stage play um, seeing him in it, seeing it very up close, like front row, like that's what that's what you get when you when you you know when you win rush tickets and you get to to pay thirty bucks just to see the show instead of paying two hundred, is that you is like they for some reason they give you front row seats like okay sure that's I figured I'd be in you know in the nosebleeds but I, but I learned from my wife that then no you win front row seats like oh that's pretty good, um, but also seeing it in a theater. I think allows you to like it's odd like because you're sort of blown away by the relentless pounding of the music and that's exhausting and it, it but if you're in it like I, I hadn't been in a theater in you know over a year and a half I think, I think the last thing I, I saw was 1917 the war movie I don't know when that came out that was a while ago but like you're you're kind of forced to be in it. You're forced to pay attention more. You're forced to listen to the lyrics more. They happen very, very, very fast, and they give a lot of information. There is more spoken in this than sung, unlike Hamilton, which is almost all song. There's like four lines of dialogue that are not um, part of a song in Hamilton. But um, unless you're you're really paying attention or you know the plot already, it's very difficult to follow what's happening. Both because they're speaking quickly, and also because we're not used to taking in information in song all the time. 
And so what little, what little plot there is, how thin it is, is sort of difficult to follow. And it becomes exhausting. It's like, it's like watching Shakespeare. You have, you have, you know, it's ball poetry for for the most part. And so you're really trying to make sure that you know what's happening by listening to, 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 to the dialogue, which is a chore. It is, it, it requires effort. And, um, so yeah, that, that just kind of, that makes the whole thing a lot harder. Um, I mean, he's known for writing songs like that too. You know, there's, they're they're fast and, and they're, they're very lyrically complex. difficult so like you're trying to keep up and it's not like you can just sit back and be like oh i like this song like i have to pay attention to everything you know yeah. i mean my wife watched hamilton with subtitles you yeah. know this one it, you didn't need them but it was it was that kind of attention that you had to pay and it's not like i was looking at my phone it's just that when it's everything is like that I mean, there's no scenes where, like, let's just take a moment and reflect on what we've, what we've just sung. Like, there isn't anything like that. So it's like, if you're not glued to the screen, you're going to miss something. Yeah. it's It straddles the opera line, the, the musical opera line, very closely. So there is there is there there are a few moments where you're allowed to breathe um, in it. And so the the biggest part of the the, the biggest sorry I like the movie a lot I did but I also know it so I was going into it knowing like I've already seen this and I like this and so and seeing the runtime we look at we, we looked at you like oh they they just did the whole show like they, like they didn't cut it down to like two hours which they probably could have there were parts of it that were that didn't need to be quite as long as they were um but overall, I liked it a lot. I thought it was fun. I liked the music a great deal. I was exhausted by it, but by the end, um, oh, and I wanted to mention too, like one of the reasons that that by the by the end of the show, you're kind of uh, a lot of this is in Spanish, and if you don't if you don't speak Spanish, you're missing things. It's not integral. You don't need to speak Spanish to be able to to enjoy this by any stretch. But like being tired of trying to get in all the information that's being presented to you musically is ex- is exacerbated by the fact that you're going to miss chunks of it because you don't speak Spanish or or I didn't speak Spanish. So, oh, it's funny I didn't think of it. I didn't notice there's a lot of Spanish lyrics unless I just missed them. Which is yeah, entirely they're, possible. They're they're there. Yeah, and like it's again it's not prohibitive to understanding anything that's going on. It's, you know, this is any an emotive thing. So whatever you need to know, you're getting from from their emotion more than more than anything else. Um, but structure is always the weakest part of his plays. Hamilton's structure is good, but not great. It's very, very Hamilton's very, very long, um, and it's it's better structure than this because Hamilton is way better than this. This is and this I think is still good, but the, the you know this the structure is better. Um, the problem that I had with this movie, and my wife put this pretty succinctly, she said they didn't know if they wanted to make the story about everybody or about him. And in the play, the the focus is much tighter on Usnavi on his character, on his journey, because they made a couple of very critical decisions. So the last thing that you saw, what was it? 
Uh, it was the end of that big barrio scene when like the the hairdressers get everyone together and then the lights come back on and. Okay, so did did you happen to catch the rest of it or no? Like, I mean, I mean, I know that he ends up staying in New York and he marries that girl and. Right, so he's about to leave. He's cleaning out his 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 and his abuela's apartment, and he finds that she had won the ninety six thousand dollars, and. He, you know, Vanessa shows up and they have a scene together, and then he decides, okay, no, I'm staying. I'm giving the money to the lawyer, and he's going to help Sonny, you know, fight for citizenship based on the fact that he's a, that he's a dreamer. Um, and he stays and he marries Vanessa and they have kids, and that's who he's talking to, like throughout the story. They're, they're flashing to him on a beach. That's not the beach. They just repaint the bodega to look to look to look to look like a beach. Yeah, because he does and, mention at some point where he says like my daughter. Or he says something like that, and you're supposed to like perk up and be like, did he just call that kid his daughter?" And then you kind of realize that that there, there's more to it. Yeah, they dropped a couple of hints in there. Like also, there's that weird crab where you see it walking around, and you don't quite know what that is. Like that looks odd and super supernatural. It turns out that the uh, um, the kid Sunny. As the as spray paint paint is, you know, painting the inside of the bodega, Sonny hangs up a little cartoon, like a little, little tape, little turtle, uh, turtle uh, crab thing, and like it looks weird until you go, oh, that's what that was. Weird. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a cheap trick. <laughs> it, yeah, it was a, it was an odd choice to have that just appear there, and you, you get the reference later, but you're like, okay, weird. Well, even the fact that like he's not really at the beach. I mean, he's at that beach when you, I mean, when you're when they filmed it, and then it turns out like, oh, I'm really in the, at the store, and I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> it's corny. I think they were trying to say like like this is his beach now. Like his dream was always to go back to the DR and you know open up this old business, but he didn't, and yet he's found that happy place even though he's not actually on a beach. Yeah, I mean, when you have a play, it's a lot easier to get away with that. So I'm not sure how else you would have done it, but yeah. You know, you can you can hide but, that on in a play because they're just still on the stage. Well, here's the thing: that isn't in the play. Oh, okay. That's not in the play at all. The lawyer is not in the play at all. Oh. So, so I listened to uh, the Sunny Bunch podcast across the movie aisle today, and he hates musicals, so he was sort of a bad, you know, you know, person. To, but like the, the other two people, two people he that he that he had on the, on the podcast with him. The one, the woman was pointing. I think her name was Alyssa Rosenberg. She writes for the the Post. I think anyway. Um, she was saying how this was structured better than the play, and that is false as all get out. It is not. The play has its issues with structure, but it's it's significantly better than this. All the thing about the dreamers and like the girl gets motivated that was shoehorned awkwardly into this. That isn't in the play at all. Um, there's a couple other small things like Nina in the movie, her her mother has died. You don't meet her, but they just reference her. In the play, she's alive and she has a song too. And like that doesn't help that there's like... And also the relationship between uh, Nina's father, Kevin, and um, uh, Benny is poor because... The father doesn't want her dating 
a black guy. She, she he wants her to date somebody who's. Yeah, my um, wife pointed that out. She's like, it's awfully nice of that guy to hire his girl, his daughter's ex boyfriend. And yeah. I was like, you yeah, know, well, Jimmy Smith, he's just a nice guy. But like, that makes more sense if they don't really get along. Yeah, in <laughs> in in the play, they 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 don't they don't get along whatsoever. Um, there's like there's like a big you know big thing with that. That's a minor part of the play and not entirely necessary, although culturally important because there is friction between those two, those the, those two communities. And the I funny, th- like the the funny scene in the in, in the play is watching him try to give information. Like the scene in the in the dispatch when you first meet him and Nina together is cute in the movie because that guy is really. I think he was he was he was he was very charming. He was he was, he was very talented, but in the movie, it's like, hey, here's a fun like this girl's back and isn't that great and blah blah blah. And it's just watching him being charming for two minutes. In the play, it's funnier because he can't do it very well. He's trying to to re- reroute the cabbies all over the place, and he's stumbling over it, and they're all making fun of him. And it's 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 cuter in that regard. Then she swoops in and saves the day and. You know, tells them where to go because that was her job before she left for college. Was she was the dispatch person? Uh, um, so it was it was clever. But here's so he. So go ahead. Well, because I, I mean, I asked my wife. You know, it, like, it sounds stupid. But I was like, is that guy black? Because he's clearly darker skin than the other guys. And she goes, yeah, he's black. And she goes, why? I said, the everybody else in the cast is not black. Yeah, which by yeah. the way caught him some flack on the uh, on the Twitter there. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't care, but if this is supposed to be like, it doesn't get brought up that he's black. Like he's just part of the gang. And I was like, yeah, I thought that would be a thing. Yeah, it's a thing. But, it, play. but they took it out of the. I guess they took it out of the movie. Yeah, I'm not quite sure. No. I mean, I guess one more conflict. It doesn't help streamline the story of the play. It's it makes good for for good for good conflict, and it adds complexity to 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 Nina's and her father's relationship. But uh, it 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 would have slowed things down even more, which nobody really needed at this point. Um, but uh, anyway, so the the big change structurally in the 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 from from the play to the movie is that um. You, so you, so you find out through a phone call from the from the lottery that their store sold a winning ticket for ninety six thousand dollars and everybody is now running around going we all go to the same bodega one of us bought this ticket who is it we don't know and in the movie you don't find out until the very last scene pretty much that it was abuela who who won it she's already dead um she dies during the blackout for some reason i don't really know and um they say it's had something to do with heat stroke but that's but she sings a whole song about it which is i thought was beautifully shot by the way the whole thing in the in the little tunnel um sort of figured with the heat it was like i might as well this now's as good a time as any to go (laughs) (laughs) but here's the thing in the play she wins and you find out right away like at the end of that number she's not dead yet she's still alive and she says, "Hey, no, you know." And she doesn't tell everyone, but she tells um, who's Navi. She's like, "Here, I won, so I'm going to give the money to you and to your cousin Sunny, and I want you guys to go back to the DR, and you're going to, you know, buy your. There's no bar. I don't, I don't think it's just like he, 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 like it's like he the doesn't, house. 
No, he just doesn't want to be in New York anymore. He's he's not happy living in New York and working in, in the bodega and not not dating Vanessa. So he's like, you know, I'm I'm out of here. I'm going to leave and I'll take Sonny with me. And so she 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 tells him this and he's really conflicted. He's like, I don't know, because he's holding out hope for the girl and he he's connected to the community. He's a a pillar of it and um he's torn about it. And then the blackout happens, and Sonny forgets to lock up properly, and the and the bodega is vandalized and he's robbed. So, the blackout happens. I think the blackout is the end of Act One, and that's so. That, so, that, so that's you're, you're in a mission. When lights come back up at the beginning of Act Two, you see that the place is, has been destroyed. The, the the set was basically just the corner, and they would bring in things to do scenes in the 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 hair salon or whatever. But when you you, you open up at Act Two, you see the place has been destroyed, and uh, there's a big gasp from the, from the audience. And he's that's like the straw that breaks the camel's back. Is that like you know? Fuck this place! I'm done with it. I, you know, what kind of a you know uh, of a community is this? Where this the 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 second the power goes out, you know, we break into people's and loot their stores and things like that. And so he's made up his mind at that point that he doesn't care about the girl anymore. He cares, you know, he's just angry and he's leaving. And then Abuela dies, and at that point, Uznavi is got one foot out the door. Nina's not going back to Stanford because she doesn't, you know, she doesn't fit in, she doesn't like it. Um, and I'm trying to think who else is it in the play who has to make a decision like that. And and that's really it. Like Vanessa is trying to leave, you know, the the neighborhood to move down to, you know, I guess she's having like writer's block, kind of like in the in the in in the movie. She can't. She's not feeling creative. She's not been making progress on her, on her outfits, on on her fashion designs. But that's it's really just Nina and Uznavi have a decision to make about what they're doing. And when Abuela dies, then the neighborhood comes together, like they do for four seconds in this movie. Before they just, it, it's funny in the movie, she dies. They come together, and then they just get hot again, and they and like nothing changes. And then they have the big barrio dance scene, and the lights come back on, and then just. So after she dies, Uznavi decides, no, I'm going to stay. She would want me to stay. And Nina decides, no, she'd want me to, to finish up at Stanford because, you know, the, her, her passing has, is the galvanizing moment to keep everybody, you know, connected to each other, but yet moving on and doing, you know, either different things or doing things differently. And that's really good. That's like that keeps the story tightly focused on them. It gives gives the motivation for doing things that they that they do. The movie doesn't have that, and while it it does drag a bit, certainly in the second half, the reason is that nobody does anything for any reason. Like Uznavi doesn't leave for any reason. He just it's hot, and then everyone's it's been like three days, and everyone's sweating their ass off. He closes the store because they have no power. And then he decides, okay, the girl's not going to go out with me. I'm leaving. And then he gets the money and he's staying. Like, there's nothing to keep him 
anywhere doing anything. There's nothing actually motivating him but the girl. And the girl's a weak reason because she's not a good character. She's just, she's barely a character at all. And so without having, you know, concrete motivations for, for him deciding to leave and then changing his mind, the story becomes vague and sort of muddled. And then it drags a bit. Because it literally is just, you know, blackout happens. They all kind of get nervous and worried, and then nothing happens. They just sweat for three days. The, 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 the lady dies. They keep sweating, and the power comes back on. And in that time, he's going, he's, he's staying, he's leaving. He's, like, it doesn't, he's making decisions just in his head. They're not based on anything that's externally happening to him. And I think that's a, you know, structurally it's a huge problem with the story, and it, it, it's, it's a shame, I felt. I was really kind of bummed about that. Yeah, I wonder why they changed that stuff. I don't... I mean, I the big reveal at the end... I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with they really wanted to have a message in there about the Dreamers. You know, they... they that The political aspect of the, uh, of the story was this shoehorned-in plot about, you know, Sonny not being able to go to college because he's... He's, he's undocumented and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't have legal status in the U.S. And, um, it, uh, it was more important to that for them to do that. And in order to do that, you needed to have him having already made the decision to go in the beginning. And then it's a series of, will he stay if, you know, if they ask him to, will they stay if the girl decides to go out with him? Will they stay if he wins the money? Like all these different things happen to him and nothing convinces him to do it until he just decides to do it. Like if you want to think about what the, who the main character is, who the protagonist is, it's him. And he changes his mind at the end, but not really for any discernible reason. He just decides not to do what he was doing. To he, he didn't need the money. That was the thing in the in the play was that he couldn't go back to the DR because he didn't have the money. But that comes up in the movie where he says in the first song where he's like, you know, I sweat my ass off in this bodega selling everybody everything for four dollars a piece. You know, I'm hustling and I'm not getting anywhere. But which was his thing. Yeah, but he but he also he shakes the lawyer's hand in the beginning and says like they've accepted your offer. It's done. Well, I only took that as because what he was buying was a bunch like was a ruined house <laughs> in the Dominican <laughs> Republic. I could buy right. 10 right now. Yeah. So, but like like that was my thing. And like I I I thought there'd be more of that. Because I was saying, like, it's really unusual. I mean, the kid brings it up. Most immigrants don't want to go back. Yeah. You know, they all want to come here to America and, and build a life that they know will be difficult and full of turmoil and, and toil. But they're in a better place, that, so they think. Most of them don't want to go back to those islands because they get wrecked by hurricanes every year. And, and you can live off, you know, five cents a day. It, like, it's it's just not that common, especially in big stories like this. So. I was like, oh, that's interesting. He wants to go back to the Dominican Republic and like, yeah, I can buy this burnt down shack of a home for the bodega money and live there on the beach instead of, you know, sweating my butt off in, in the heights. But that doesn't come up that often anymore, except for when the kid mentions it, you know, because 
the, the characters are paper thin and the plot's been rearranged and there's too many characters. And I was like, I, I guess he just wants to go back because he does. He's just tired of working real hard for no money, I guess. I mean, that's all I could that's all I could glean from that. Yeah, I mean that that's sort of I mean you and I are the product of immigrants who are recent to this country, but not as recent as the characters in this movie. And so we also, you know, they, our, our ancestors came from other parts of the world. So, you know, our mother came from Ireland in the 1950s with our grandparents, along with half of Ireland, you know, at the, you know, it, it was, there was a big exodus in the fifties, but they came and they very similarly to here in this story they you know they moved into a community of other irish people living in the bronx and um they but also like our italian side of the family when they came they were here and they were done they weren't going back they were maybe we didn't know people that thought like this but all the people that we knew and knew about through stories Nobody ever gave up. Nobody ever left. They all came here, and they and they more the Italians did this than the Irish. But they hung up the American flag outside, and they said, "I am an American now. I am not." Uh, you Even know, the ones that didn't are. You know, we used to speak to my grandparents, and they'd say things like, "Oh God, I'd never go back there." Right. We're not yeah. So about a you know a hurricane wrecked land here, but they'd say like, "Oh, I left for a reason." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our, our 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 Irish grandfather was definitely more Irish when after he got here than before he left, but um, yeah, he still had you know had no regrets about doing what he was doing because he just wasn't able to make enough money in Ireland in 1955 as a plumber. He had to you know he he was much more successful here, um, and I don't know if this is a cultural thing whether like you and i can't identify with the people in this story who everyone's complaining about the place abuela complains you know uzavi complains nina complains they're all very dissatisfied with where they are except for um for kevin the cab driver like and and vanessa like they're I mean, Vanessa's looking to leave too, but not to go very far. She's only going about four miles south. Well, yeah, well, that's the you thing know, with every she's, city. She, you know, like, yeah. oh, I'm going so far away. Like, it's a couple and, like, subway stops. Like, <laughs> she, like, she's complaining about the fact that no one's taking her seriously because she has no credit, and she's trying to, you know, to to, to rent a place, you know, on West Fourth Street with cash. And they, she knows that they're looking down at her because she's Hispanic and not white and fine, but she's still, she's still actively pursuing that and does. So, you know, like, I, it's just, it's either a cultural thing or it's simply a newness thing. People who are newer here to, you know, like, it was the Cubans came first in the 40s and 50s and then the 60s for sure. And then the Puerto well, I mean, Ricans came and then the, and then the if you're, uh, if you're doing uh, these uh, musicals, Dominicans, they usually have those, you know, the, like the I want song. It's the, the lingo people use when they, well, they have like song. five of them. <laughs> well, they had five of them, but a lot of them are vague. So like when the grandmother sings that song right before she dies about how they came here and we worked real hard and it was difficult. And I'm sitting here thinking, what is it exactly you wanted to do, Abuela? Did you want to run a Fortune 500 company? Because that's probably not going to happen. When you live in a you know 
a seven story walk up in 1970s New York. Like, what is it they were so dissatisfied with? Everybody had a different reason. You know, like they don't take me seriously because I'm Hispanic. I'm working so hard, not making any money. You know, I, I nobody has an education except my daughter. But but there isn't like one big thing where they're all just like, I need to get out of here. You know, and well, yeah. And if they do, it's to go backwards. Right. So yeah. I understand, you know, like some of them are in the process of failing, like literally the, the, the girl fails out of college or she takes herself out. And the other girl can't get the credit she needs. And some people are like, like they feel like failures. So they're just giving up and going home. But it wasn't clear. Yeah. And they, and, and they talk a lot about dreams. That's the theme of the, of the movie, if not the play, too. Sure. Someone's then, then, dreams. Then but, tell me what that dream is. I mean, yeah, the only ones that really have it are the, the woman that, that, that runs the hair salon. And she gets out and she moves. And and Vanessa, who, you know, doesn't actually go down to the to the village, but, you know, she achieves her dream of becoming, um, you know, a fashion designer of sorts. And but you're right. Like they, they their dreams are so vague. It's just to be happier. And it's not necessarily to be richer, although they would want to be richer. But, you know, what it is that they want yeah, is vague. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what it is that they want is vague and how they plan to, to, to achieve it is vague. They're just, it's just a general sense of dissatisfaction. And I think, you know, when when the grandmother is just like, you know, we, we came here, we had nothing, we worked hard, and we had nothing still. And she still lives in a not very nice part of Manhattan in a small apartment in a walk-up like it's her story to me is sort of the strangest is like she you're not her life never got any better you know she still sits and sweats in this you know hot apartment with no air conditioning and doesn't take her pills and like she was everyone's grandmother in the neighborhood okay fine but like i get it so she didn't have a family and she didn't she didn't ever go anywhere but like that's not a good thing, you know, like they, yeah. they, they look at her like a pillar of the community, but nobody wants to be there and it's yeah. changing over at the same time. They're all getting bought out. Right. And that's supposed to be like the bad thing. So, I mean, if you want to tell a story about a group of people, you tell a story about a person. Yeah. You know, when you make it this vague and you have so many different characters, there's too much that's that falls through. Especially here, like my first thought, and I don't know, apparently he got flack for this or what. I'm not, I didn't even really read what that controversy was about. But I know for a fact that Dominicans and Puerto Ricans don't always get along. (laughs) Boy, ain't that the truth. Someone I'm watching this movie, and everybody is just this mishmash of Hispanic and Latin heritage. All I could think in the back of my head was, what are they exactly? Because the Irish do this, and they're like one town over, and they hate each other. So, <laughs> are they all Dominican? Or I mean, they had the black guy there. Like you're just telling the story of this group of people in this place, but it's it's not enough. It's more confusing that way. If yeah. You just told me the story of this guy in the bodega and like his close relatives. 
I I can relate to that because he's a person now that I understand. Like I'm not Hispanic in any way. So, you know, when you have just general vague Hispanic culture in my face, it's like, I, I can't relate to that, but I can relate to a guy who works real hard and is unhappy with his life and wants to make a change who hasn't been there. Yeah. You know, so they did a, a real disservice um, unfocusing the story like that. Yeah, I think they, 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 it's a romanticized version of this place, too. Oh, yeah. Like, well, yeah well, that is true. Yeah. Like, uh, I obviously. mean, <laughs> right. And, and that bleeds through in lots of different ways. I mean, like, there's no crime where they, even though right. this is a very, no, this is not. <laughs> I've been to Crown Heights and it doesn't look like that. <laughs> Washington Heights. Yeah. No, Washington I've been Heights, there and Heights. I, you know, and, I, you know, I've worked in New York City in places, not not in this neighborhood, but in other neighborhoods that were, I mean, I remember the day huh, I I came to work on, on one Monday in the Bronx and the whole, the whole neighborhood was destroyed. You know, there was shit everywhere and some of it was like party streamers and things and but broken windows and cars and like i walked in i went what the hell happened in here and the kids are like what do you mean mister it was the puerto rican day parade so they had the puerto rican day parade all the all, all, all the all the people celebrating that pissed off the the dominicans and then they got into a fight and there was a giant fight in the middle of the street because they these are two cultures that are very very and the cubans too like our mother went to school in the 1960s and 70s with a lot of young girls whose parents fled Cuba right before New Year's Eve and they took their money with them. And so they, you know, these these girls looked way the hell down on the Puerto Rican girls who came after them. And, you know, so like there have been there were tensions between these, 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 these are the, the three big cultures in the story, the Puerto Ricans, the Cubans, and the, the Dominicans. And you're right; they do not get along. So, I think that gets kind of lumped in, both in the fact they want to tell a sweeping story about everyone who lives there, they want to be romantic about how there isn't crime and tension, and you know. And part of that is achieved by the fact that there is an old woman who is Cuban and who tries to bring everyone together to do all these things, and is successful in that. And I, I can't say what part of this is far-fetched because i'm not from this community and i and you know miranda is this is where he grew up he is nina in some regards too and you know his his father you know i remember i think i saw him talking to his dad in some kind of like a 60 minutes type documentary where they're talking about his father came from puerto rico but he likens him to uznavi in this in this story and there's a, a lot of autobiographical aspect to it, so I can't say that this didn't happen, or it's or or it's ridiculous. Oh but no, I don't, I don't it definitely that either. Yeah, but you're definitely right that, that like trying to tell too many stories, and this is what my wife said. You know, when when we got done, she she was like, they didn't know what they wanted to do, tell the neighborhoods story, which is difficult to do, or tell a you know the story of a single person who was emblematic of the neighborhood and they yeah. chose the latter and i that that made it money but i i do want to come back to the fact that like i really did like it because the people in it are relatively charming if not very charming and the songs are great there's just just a lot of them and you you got to have a lot of patience 
if you're not familiar or if you're not not a fanboy or a fangirl like a lot of a lot of other people I know you know who um you know for them that's enough it's just that the music is so good and interesting and complex and different you know and and I have to say like I can't think of a better movie musical than this like it I appreciated how visually it was you know they they utilized a lot of cinematic conventions to make it less like a, we're going to shoot a regular old, you know, naturalistic, you know, re- realistic looking film that also happens to have singing and dancing like West Side Story. You know, that's I'm I'm curious to see what Spielberg does with that, because the original movie is just like there's nothing interesting about how the stuff is presented. It's just guys dancing, in a, you know, in a street, in a in a disco, whatever it is, it doesn't really matter. This was, you know, they had them dancing on the side of the building. You know, that was a great scene. It was it was just different things like that when they were walking the, down the street talking about what they what they would do with the money and they're like they're drawing all the things in the air and like Yeah, I like that scene. That was good. Anything like that was great cuz it drew attention to the fact that it's preposterous in a film that people stop talking and start singing and dancing. And so whenever they did, you know, bizarre stuff like that, they cartoonified it. And that's a good thing in this case. You know, cartoons lend themselves to, 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 to musicals better because you're already bought into the fact that you're watching an animation. And so whenever they animated more of this, made it look more surreal, less realistic, the better it was. When it, you know, by the end of it, it was less like that, though. The barrio scene, you know, was very straightforward. They had a party, you know, but, you know, I I like Vanessa's thing where, like, the colors are flying over the buildings and, again, the dancing on, 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 on the side of the building. Whenever they were doing that stuff, it was more compelling. You know, when it was, when it, whenever it was more realistic, it was less compelling. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I know enough musicals to to compare. I mean, then you get into the whole like, well, what's a musical? I'm like, I don't know anything with music in it. Yeah, you know, uh, like, what, is the Muppet movie a musical? There's. I mean, yes. <laughs> I, I mean, yes. I, I would say yes, but I'm sure other people would come at me and be like, no, no, of course not. Like, oh, that definitely. Is. I will also say that their casting was was very good in the sense that they were not looking to like the biggest name in the movie is Jimmy Smith's and Miranda himself, but he has like a small part, yeah. but like they, they, they didn't go out and you know, like you, when, when they were casting lame is, you know, okay. So Hugh Jackman is a big name and he's also a singer and dancer, not a great one, but he's the closest thing you have to a real a list guy who also sings and dances. But then, like, Russell Crowe, for God's sakes, Anne Hathaway, who wasn't really terrible in that role, but she wasn't great. You know, sprinkled in small parts, you had a real singer, Samantha Barks, um, as the brunette girl. Um, Aaron Tveit was, uh, you know, one of the guys uh, rebelling. Eddie Redmayne could sing pretty well, but, you know... But like fucking Russell Crowe, there was no Russell Crowe in this. There was nobody who was just 
shoehorned in because it was a name. They cast it based on people who could sing and dance. And Ramos has played the part in the um, in in the touring show for years. So like these were you know pe- people who were hired because they could do the things required of them in in the you know in the play and that was important like they didn't have to shoehorn somebody in there who did not belong i don't i don't know if you could get away with that as much cuz of the rapping and stuff like you really yeah, have you're to find limited. someone who's ten- you got to find someone talented to do that stuff yeah you but know, they didn't like, but they didn't go out of the way and like the like the the kid who played uh, played Benny, uh, what's his name here, uh, Corey Hawkins. I mean, he he's been on like the Brooklyn Nine Nine. He also played Dr. Dre in uh, I can't think of the name of that movie. What was that movie? Um, was that the Def Jam? Something no, like that. Yeah, I can't, oh god, I can't think of that. But yeah, like, like so, he's got some you know famous star power type stuff. There was one of the three women in the salon was from Orange is the New Black. She didn't do all that much. But, um, uh, and then, yeah, you know, and, and and then Mark Antony was, had like a very small part. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, he, about him. I didn't, like, I didn't know who he was until like, Mark Antony said, oh, he was the dad and the kind of drunk guy. And then I also happen to think the kid playing Sonny was really good. Uh, yeah, he was good. The cousin, yeah, I thought I, I thought he was he was really good. Um, I thought that Nina was kind of the weak link out of the bunch. Um, but uh, but yeah, everyone was good. It was there was nobody who was like, oh, this person was terrible. You know, they were there. They they all really really held their own, and that's if you, if you're gonna watch a you know you know one of these things, like at least cast it with with with, with people who can do it all. Um, yeah, well, it seems to be the way things are trending these days when you get someone, you know, Disney's doing this now with their movies, you know, if they're going to play the role speaking wise and they should also sing it. Well, yeah, but that, I actually think that in that case, it's not a mistake, but they also don't like, they're not getting, what's her name? Um, I can't think of the names. The woman who played the little mermaid and the woman who played Belle. Like, those were just Broadway actors mm. that they hired. They're not doing that anymore. Everyone's got to be a name, and these 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 people are names, but they're but they're also qualified. You know, they're not putting up someone who's not qualified because they're a name, which was you know. And again, you're right with the rapping; it's hard with the fact that the the cast is 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 racially specific that that that, that narrows it down, but. Again, they didn't go out and look for famous people who also happened to be Hispanic. They, you know, they got one of them in Jimmy Smith's, and that was fine. You know, he didn't have to do a lot of singing, and he was okay. You know, yeah, he was okay. Yeah. It's like I always think of The Rock when they had The Rock in Moana. Yeah, and I was like, he can't, you know, he can't really sing, but he he gets through it easily enough. You know? Yeah, I'm sure they helped. You know. I'm sure they helped him. You know, oh, a lot of pitch correction. You know, yeah. a lot of pitch correction. So, so overall, I would recommend this to people, especially if you like the the play, especially if you like musicals. This is you you know they don't make a lot of movie movie musicals, but this one 
is that. It's not like a, a you know, it's a story that happens to have some singing in it that they filmed. It's, you know, it's a real, they take advantage of everything that you can do with film to make it sort of like whimsical and far-fetched. Because, you know, a musical is a bizarre thing to have to go to. A play alone causes you to, um, what are they, what's the term I'm looking for? Uh, Suspension of disbelief. Thank you. So, so, yeah, you just have to suspend your, your your disbelief in a theater in most things, and even more so in a um, in something that has singing and dancing. And so, like, you don't have to do that quite so much with, with a movie, but if you push it and you make people do that, you'll be rewarded, I think, by this because it is pretty unusual. It's just I I I wish they had kept some of the structure and kept it more t- tightly focused on the main character. Yeah, me too. I think it would have been better that way. Yeah. So. Anyway, if you guys out there have any thoughts about In the Heights and want to share them with us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at Three Drinks in Pod. You can let us know on Facebook or you can email us at Three Drinks in Podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen and leave us a rating and maybe even a review. We would greatly appreciate that. Anything else? Uh, no. All right. As always, please drink responsibly, and we'll talk to you all next time. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye. Lights up on Washington Heights. Up at the break of day, I wake up, and I got this little punk I got to chase away. Pop the grade at the crack of dawn. Sing while I wipe down the awning. Hey, y'all, good morning. Ice cold agua. Parcha, china, cherry, strawberry, and just for today, I got mame. Oye, Piraguero, ¿cómo está? Como siempre, señor Usnavi. I am Usnavi, and you probably never heard my name. Reports of my fame are greatly exaggerated, exacerbated by the fact that my syntax is highly complicated because I immigrated from the single greatest little place in the Caribbean, Dominican Republic. I love it. Jesus, I'm jealous of it. And beyond that, ever since my folks passed on, I haven't gone back. God damn, I gotta get on there. Oh. The milk is gone bad, hold it just a second Why is everything in this fridge warm and tepid? I better step it up and fight the heat Cause I'm not making any profit if the coffee isn't light and sweet Abuela, my fridge broke, I got cafe but no con leche Try my mother's own recipe, one can of condensed milk Nice Ay, paciencia y fe That was Abuela, she's not really my abuela But she practically raised me, this corner is her escuela now You probably thinking, I'm up Shit's Creek I never been north of 96th Street Well, you must take the A train Even farther than Harlem to northern Manhattan and maintain Get off First and take the escalator I hope you're writing this down I'm gonna test you later I'm getting tested Times are tough on this bodega Two months ago Somebody bought Ortegas Our neighbors started packing up And picking up And ever since the rents went up It's gotten mad expensive But we live with just enough In the heights I flip the lights And start my Sorry.
millennials, they run the cab company, they struggle in the body, or see their daughter Nina's off at college, tuition is mad steep, so they can't sleep, everything they get is mad cheap. Good morning, Usnavi. Tan caliente café con leche. Put $20 on today's lottery. One ticket, that's it. Hey, a man's got a dream. Don't mind him, he's all excited. Cause Nino flew in at 3 a.m. last night. Don't look at me, this one's been cooking all week. Usnavi, come over for dinner. There's plenty to eat. So then Yesenia walks in their room. Daniel and Carla from the salon. Thanks, Usnavi. Sonny, you're late. Chillax. You know you love me. Me and my cousin running. Just another dime a dozen. Mom and pop stop and shop. You know my God has gotten dude on hot. Like my man Cole Porter said. People come through for a few cold waters and a lottery ticket. Just a part of the routine. Everybody's got a job. Everybody's got a dream. They gossip as I sit my coffee and smirk. People hop to work, what's it? I'm like $1, $2, $1.50, $1.69, I got it. You want a box of condoms, what kind? That's two quarters, two quarter waters. The New York Times, you need a bag for that, the tax is added. Once you get some practice at it, you do rap mathematics automatically. Send them maxi pads, but the bank for taxi cabs. Practically everybody's stressed, yes, but they press through the mess. Bounce checks and wonder what's next. In the heights, I find my coffee and I go. Skills. Yo, Vanessa, show up yet? Shut up. Hey, little homie, don't get so upset. Tell Vanessa how you feel. Buy the girl a meal on the real, or you ain't got no skills. No, 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 Yes, ask her out right now. I'll see you later. We can look at that lease. Do something, make you move. Don't freeze. Hey, you owe me a bottle of cold champagne. Are you moving? Just a little credit check, and I'm on that downtown train. Well, your coffee's on the house. Okay. Snobby, ask her out. No way. I'll see you later. So. Ooh, smooth operator. Oh, damn, there she goes. Yo, bro, take five. Take a walk outside. You look exhausted. Lost, don't let life slide. The whole hood is struggling. Yeah, times are tight. And you stuck to this corner like a street light. Yeah, I'm a street light choking on the heat. 
The world spins around while I'm frozen to my seat. The people that I know all keep on rolling down the street. But every day is different, so I'm switching up the beat. Cause my parents came with nothing. They got a little more. Sure, we're poor, but yo, at least we got the store. And it's all about the legacy they left with me is destiny. And one day 